0: welcome to Erie Iceland.
1: Whether you're captivated by folklore, paranormal, sorcery, the hidden people, haunted things, people or locations in Iceland, you've come to the right place. Here you'll venture into the dark side of Iceland. I'm Anne. I'm Vanessa. We're two girl bosses who are obsessed
0: with all of these things. Will you dare to follow us into this unexplainable realm?
1: Vanessa, do you know what happened to me on the way to the podcast studio today? Tell me. I had like a Murphy's Law morning. Really? A hundred percent. Like the windshield wipers on my Pajero stopped working magically. And then I had to transition to Ruby, you know, our big ass super Jeep on 46 inch tires. And I was on route one leaving Selfos to come here to Reykjavik. And I slid off the side of the road. Into not so much deep snow, but it was so like icy, slick snow, oh, like, like a slushy. No, it wasn't slushy. It was like so like like pure in a way. It wasn't like powdery that I could grip. And so I started digging this morning, and then I like you know put my inflation deflation system on, and then a dude stopped by and was like, you know, asked me if I needed help, and I was like, uh yeah, like this will save me like you know fifteen minutes of digging. And so he was like, I don't have a rope. And I was like, no problem. I have a rope. And so we attached his rope to his Hilux. I think he was like in a Hilux or something. And I'm, you know, Nissan Patrol, whatever. And he pulls me out. And I said to him, I said, you just made my day. Like, you're the freaking hero. And do you know what he said in response
0: to me? I totally know what he said. He was just like, you made my day because you're like... Because you're not like the typical person you'd see driving like a super Jeep. Like when you see like a super Jeep, you're like, oh, it's a woman. Like I'm not being like anti-feminist or anything like that. But like usually it's going to be like this like mountain lady or something. And you like come out of this like car and you're like this tiny little like cute thing with pink hair and like lipstick. And you're like, please help me. And he's just like, oh, yeah. So you probably felt like macho. I
1: mean, that's how I saw it. I mean, is that what happened? It's 100% what happened. He just like smiled, winked and like you know, said I was the best part of his day so far. And that's like, what, nine o'clock in the morning? So yeah, that happened today. And I, I pretty much thought the rest of my day was going to be great from then on. And then like shit just got weird. But we love weird days, right? Because it always turns into like some eerie, awesome experience. And here we are in the podcast studio and it's still winter. Oh, the dreaded winter. Yeah, but in winter... We have the dark sides of Iceland that appear, right? Right. Yeah. It's like 24 7 dark. Well, not 24 7, but like. It no. That, it almost feels that way though. No, but every day we're getting more light. We're getting more light. Thank and so, Jesus. We all know that there are so many dark sides of Iceland to explore. But which one do you like hearing about the most, Vanessa?
0: Uh, I mean, I like a good folk story, but my favorite are like um, either real people or like actual hauntings, like some scary stuff,
1: like, like paranormal and ghost stories. Yeah, like stuff that gives you like, you know, makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Right. Like some of you go and then you're just like instantly feel something.
0: Those kind of things.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, our tiny island in the North Atlantic is basically one giant volcano, let's be honest. And after all, we're sitting on two tectonic plates, the North American and the Eurasian. And they're actually ripping the island apart each year. I mean, it's only by like two centimeters, but still it's happening. And I feel like our island is the perfect setting for an Armageddon movie, you know, with like The Rock or something. (laughs) really you'd cast the rock i mean he's been in so many armageddon movies like earthquake volcano like okay 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 (laughs) although i get him and vin diesel mixed up like all the time so don't Uh, quote me here okay okay (laughs) (laughs) but i also think that it's fair to say that our volcanoes should be considered a dark side of iceland don't you think Vanessa?
0: yeah totally like it like they can rip like homes apart and like families apart and like make a rift like a
1: divide agreed and so today i'm going to tell you about a time in iceland that has end of the world vibes and shockingly an unbelievable true story that i think should be made into a movie in my opinion are you ready to hear about the lucky volcano and the fire priest vanessa hell yeah so most folks believe that Katla Subglacial Volcano is the most dangerous volcano we have here in Iceland. And fun side note, my husband Davith and I are building our dream house under her. And for those of you that are curious, you can check out Vik Dream House on Instagram to follow our journey of building a cantilevered house up by the famed church Vikirkirkja. But actually saying the word laki or lakagigar strikes fear in the most hearts around the country, especially here in South Iceland. Likely because it was the longest and largest of volcano eruption in Icelandic history since 934. And one that was actually linked to a war. So how long do you think it had to have erupted to get the honor of that title? Years? (laughs) Well, not quite, but close. It begins on June 8th of 1783 and doesn't stop until February 7th of 1784, making it an eight-month-long destructive eruption. Whoa. And this event not only affected Iceland, but actually affected the entire northern hemisphere as a whole, too. And in that period, so much eerie shit happened. But before I dive into the specific details and the story of the famed fire priest, let's paint a picture as to where in Iceland this area is. So, all right, friends. I need you guys to grab a map of Iceland with me for a hot sec, and put your finger in the middle of the country, which is basically the far left of Europe's largest glacier, Vatnajokull, and then move your finger slightly down, so you're a bit closer to Katla, which sleeps underneath our fourth largest glacier, Myrdalsjokull, and you're pretty darn close to Laki. It's a pretty volatile area of the Icelandic Highlands, but also really dynamic and beautiful. In fact, one of my favorite waterfalls is there amongst this area as well. And to give you one more visual, for those of you that have driven or will drive Route 1, the area is between the towns of Vík and Kyrkjabæ And that's in South Iceland, but it is up into the interior of Iceland, which we call again, the Highlands. And remember how in our launch episode, I told you about what life was like for the Icelandic nation in the 1700s with the Icelandic milk demon story, Vanessa? Mm -hmm. So again, just to jot your memory, this period in Iceland, life was a brutal struggle for survival. As soon as you woke up, you started toiling the land trying to squeeze out whatever you could just to survive. You'd go into every winter not knowing if you'd be able to make it out alive or be able to feed your family or if you'd all starve. Life in Iceland was already pretty rough before the Laki eruption begins. After all, you not only had the food struggles and insane weather, but when smallpox comes to Iceland, it killed a quarter of the population in 1707. And then a series of large volcano eruptions begin for the next centuries in South Iceland. So first up, we have Katla. She spews up ash and lava in 1721. The second, the next big one is on the south side of Hekla volcano as she erupts in 1725. 1725. And Vanessa, why do you think that, like, a lot of our volcanoes are named after women? Because Katla is a woman's name and Hekla is a woman's name. Because women are a force to be reckoned with. What up? (laughs) Yes. You're so right. So third, sort of near Tlaki, a subglacial volcano named Orofioco erupts in 1727 sending down a massive flood, which sweeps away a farm alongside killing three people. And fourth, our girl Catla blows again in October of 1755 and lasts until February 1756, which lightning from the explosions in the eruptions kills two people and the destruction causes 50 or so farms to be fled and permanently or temporarily. Fifth, Hekla erupts again, this time for two years, between 1766 and 1768, killing countless fish, animals, and does catastrophic things to the landscape and nearby farms. So to say the 1700s were a devastating time in Icelandic history is truly an understatement. And then when Laki erupts, it just complicates things even more for the Icelandic nation and beyond. As a side note, there were a few eruptions between the big Hecla one and Laki, but they weren't as significant as what was to come. Although I will say that a badass island does appear in the ocean due to an underwater eruption off the south coast of the Reikines Peninsula named Nye. Is it Nai or is it Nay? It's Nye. Nye. Mm-hmm. Like New Island. That's what it translates to? Yeah, New Island. That's nie. fantastic. Okay. However, don't get your hopes up about seeing it as it was only there for a hot second because it disappears within the year of it being created.
0: That makes sense as to why I've never seen it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're like, where is it? <laughs> All right. Okay. So the main event of today's story begins on June 8th of 1783, when the massive 15 and a half mile or 25 kilometer explosive crack opens up more than a hundred vents from Grimsvat volcano system, which Lackey is ultimately a part of. Do you know why it was such an explosive eruption, Vanessa? No idea. Yeah, so Lockheed is said to be a phreatic eruption, which means the volcano basically becomes a continuous bomb in a roundabout way. To illustrate, when the basalt magma connects with groundwater, it chemically reacts and also bursts out crazy amounts of poisonous gases like hydrofluoric acid and sulfur dioxide. Whoa. In fact it was rated a four out of seven on the volcanic explosivity scale. So to give you a little context, because that probably means nothing to you, right? So in comparison, let's say that Eyjafjallajökull, you know, the one that we shut down European airspace in April of 2010, it's on the same level as that. And then we have Mount St. Helens, is also on that same level, number four. But then Yellowstone Supervolcano is at the top at a seven. Wow. Yeah, so pretty powerful stuff. So when Laki erupts, I picture Icelanders already feeling a bit beat down, still trying to recover their lives, livestock, and farms from the aftermath of Hekla, which was, you know, approximately 15 years before. Now they have this monster eruption that threatens everything again simultaneously. And over the course of eight months, the system erupted. It approximately spews out 42 billion tons of lava covering miles of landscape. So how do you think the Iceland and the world fared through those eight months and after, Vanessa? That's probably
0: miserable. I mean, it sounds miserable, but it also sounds kind of cool to, like, see. But I'd only want to see it
1: for, like, a second and then be like, okay, let's go back to normal. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. Well, first, this time in Iceland is often referred to as the mist hardships, which in Icelandic is Mjöðrhárdindinnn. We lost about 25% of the Icelandic population during this period, or approximately 9,000 people. And give or so, 60% of the livestock, being sheep, cows, and horses, were also lost during this time. Everyone was basically being poisoned by the hydrofluoric acid in different ways. For example, the animals ate the infected grass until their teeth fell out. And, you know, if their teeth fall out, they can't eat anymore. And so therefore they starve and or their bones would become brittle because of the fluoride poisoning. And people in Iceland at this time relied on those animals to produce milk and meat for nourishment. And also wool was required to make clothes to survive those harsh winters. And at this time in Iceland, it was believed that a man's worth was measured in the quantity of the sheep that he had. It's kind of a prestige. Some Icelanders leave Iceland at this time, making new homes in North America. So fun fact, there's actually Icelandic settlements throughout the U.S. and Canada. Did you know that, Vanessa?
0: I did. I actually have a family um, and, and, like, friends in both the U.S. and Canada. They're all so Icelandic that they actually even, like, celebrate Thorre or Thorablot, which is done once a year in the month of um, February. And it's where they eat, like, all of the old Icelandic foods that were eaten back then. Because back then, that that was how they survived, like, the harsh winters,
1: is by eating fermented meat. That's awesome. So... The others that stay on the island start starving once the animals die. And toxic gases play a role in their lives of the folks who stay as well. Vanessa, do you have any idea what happens to your body when you inhale sulfur dioxide? You suffocate? I don't know. Yeah, your insides basically swell and you choke and or suffocate to death. It's pretty freaking brutal. Oof. This is one of the many reasons why you don't fuck around and find out during volcano eruptions that are emitting these gases this is like life lesson shit for sure listen up people (laughs) (laughs) so back on track so we can get to our famous story of the fire priest famine because of the lackey volcano was not just isolated to iceland it was actually around the world. In fact, it spread across Africa, East Asia, India, North America, and across Europe. And speaking of Europe, mainland Europe, because we are a part of Europe as well, because obviously since there are no phones in 1783, the people had no idea that a big ass volcano in Iceland went off. They had no clue why a thick fog just wouldn't lift. It kept ships from coming, going, and even navigating. Some even say the sun looked blood-colored during this time. Whoa! And reports say that over twenty thousand people in Europe had died to the volcanic due to the volcanic gases that blew over from Iceland, much like the Eyjafjallajökull eruption <laughs> in twenty ten April. <laughs> Also be aware that gases continued well after the eruption was over. It stuck around until 1785, and it was sadly nicknamed the Lockheed Haze around the world. Wow. It's estimated that 120 million tons of sulfur dioxide were pushed into the atmosphere during this eruption period. That's crazy. It is disgusting. The lackey eruption also created a drop in world climate and created strange weather patterns then and in years later. And I'd love to highlight a few of those, of those eerie volcanic winter occurrences for you guys. So one, extreme thunderstorms that brought down hail so large it killed cows and other livestock. Two, Almost 30 days of continuous frost and extreme cold in areas that normally don't have it. Like think ice in the Gulf of Mexico. That's nuts. Three record-breaking levels of snow and blizzards happen. Four crazy droughts. Five unexpected floods and six, exceptionally high heat in other areas that weren't expecting it. All of these weather events make famine worse because of the failing crops, death rates higher, and even was one of the triggers for the French Revolution in 1789. Benjamin Franklin even inferred in one of his speeches that the haze was likely from a volcano in Iceland, but pointed to Hecla as she was the most known at, at the time to Americans. Feel like you know all about the Lockheed eruption now, Vanessa? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Hands down, though, the best story and fact about the Lockheed eruption is a priest named Jorn who who is fondly referred to as the fire priest. He was the parish pastor in Kierkeby Kloster, But that's not all. Dude was also a doctor, a naturalist, like living in freaking caves and shit, and would soon add to his resume, lava whisperer. Say what? Uh Uh-huh. Heck, even some would even say that he was an amateur scientist or a volcanologist in the making. But what he is most known for is the following true story. Oh, yeah. Now we're talking. Mm-hmm. I know you love a good, true story. So here we go. On July 20th, 1783, the Laki lava flow was headed in the direction of his church and the town of Kyrgybæ Cluster. It was that day that Jón held one of the most famous events in Icelandic volcanic history. He and his parishioners held Eldamassa, which translates to fire mass. Imagine you're more than a month into this devastating volcano eruption, and it's one like you've never seen before. You're living in a very remote area where you're basically trapped between the uninhabitable Icelandic highlands, the North Atlantic Ocean, and between massive glaciers and deep rivers. There's no easy way out for you, and there are no harbors for miles. Likely, it feels like the end of the world is coming for you, right? It's inferred by some people in the parish that they believed that the volcano eruption was the devil's work or was happening because of a sin in the town. Maybe your neighbor was like dancing with witches. Who knows? But what those parish folks did know in that day and age was that they could place their hope and faith in God and therefore Yon. So Yon gathers all of his followers at that night along the river Skaftau, and he passionately invokes the name of God as the lava approaches the river and the church. But when the lava comes to the river, it mysteriously stops, saving the church during this fire mass by the fire priest it not only gave people hope that day that they could maybe get through another hardship, but like how epic to be part of this, like what looked like a miracle. Yeah, totally cool. And do you know what I want to know one of the coolest things about Yon, Vanessa? For sure. It's that he was a man that was far ahead of his time, truly. In fact, it's said that the way that he observed and wrote about the eruptions that happened during his lifetime were more scientific than the knowledge at the time. Because remember, dude's not just living through the Lackey eruption. There's all the slew of other eruptions that I detailed out earlier for you. Mm -hmm. So, for example, he wrote about how you could see the history of the past eruptions in the soil layers. He even took time to document other people's stories and accounts of day-to-day happenings. And later, his writings were so thorough that they were turned into a book named The Fires of the Earth. Have you read it, Vanessa? Nope. Yeah, me either. But I'm like super intrigued. And sadly, Jones parish went from... Over 600 people to less than 100 people during the period of the eight month Laki eruption because of death or folks relocating out of Iceland or in different areas of Iceland because it was far worse there in the south. Mm-hmm. Our fire priest was pretty graphic in his depictions of what was happening to the animals as they were being poisoned by the contaminated greenery that they were eating. Also, he explained how locals were starving, couldn't drink the water, could barely breathe, and were also suffering from various symptoms, as I shared earlier, because it wasn't just the animals. It was also the people that were having these um, symptoms happen to them as well. I'll save you from all of the gory details this time. However, if you want to hear more about them, I'll link you to his book in the show notes. When 1784 comes, Yon loses his wife Thoron, who was who he was married to for 31 years, due to various volcano-related instances or something else. However, our fire priest didn't have time to grieve, as he had parishioners to take care of or bury. The fire priest lives for seven more years after the Lackey eruption stops. I'll leave you with a few more fun facts to note about him and this area and the eruption. So the first one is that the church in the town of Kierkegaard Cluster is not the same spot as the original build that I'm talking about now, but it is dedicated or rededicated to him. The original was actually west of Sestrasapi, which is a rock formation near the Skaftal River. Two, you can visit the gravestones of Yon and Thorun in the town's old cemetery if you wish to come and pay your respects as you pass through the town. And three, volcanologists today still refer to some of Yon's observations during this period. However, the threat of Laki still lingers as this tale was the last time it erupted. In fact, we still get earthquakes in and around the area. So maybe it's just a matter of time before a new generation experiences Loki's wrath. But I sure hope I'm not going to be alive to endure that. What do you think, Vanessa? Uh, yeah, I don't want to be alive either. That sounds like a hot mess.
0: You
1: Thank you so much for venturing into the dark side of Iceland with us. We hope our stories resonate with you. Stay tuned
0: for more Nightmare Worthy podcasts. And if you want to hear more, give us a follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. You can also find us on Instagram at Eerie Iceland and by searching Eerie Iceland on Facebook. See you next time.